if you can't complain about something, then you're just not a good Pittsburgher. So let's take this opportunity following the Penguins' exquisite performance in Game 2 to talk all about that power play. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. Comes your way bright and early every weekday morning. If you're into football and or baseball, feel free to check out my daily shots of Steelers and Pirates right where you found this. I'm in New York. Tonight is Game 3 with a 7.38 p.m. face-off. And if there's one area, one specific area where the Penguins really haven't gotten it done in either of the first two games and where they would do well to get it going tonight, it would be the power play. The problem with saying that, though, is that there's actually quite a few things that have gone wrong so far. I count three. One, there haven't been enough of them, and that has everything to do with the way the NHL has decided these playoffs are going to be officiated. This is not a Pittsburgh versus New York issue. It's not a Game 2 issue. This is everywhere. For whatever reason, I don't know if it's George Peros or if it's Gary Bettman thumbing his nose at the Rangers and everybody else who complained about Tom Wilson or what it is, but there is a very clear mandate to just let the boys play. Never mind that by letting the boys play, you're also letting the boys violate the rules and, in turn, not letting the boys play. But that's this league for you. So there haven't been enough. There have been five total power plays. The Penguins are over 5. Second problem, they aren't generating any shots, hardly. Through five power plays... They've put seven total shots on goal. That's it. And out of those, there have been exactly two, count them, one, two, high-danger scoring chances created. That's way unacceptable. There's no defense for that. There's no logic to it, no nothing. But the third one, the third one is the one that's the the bigger challenge of the three and that's that the Islanders have been Philadelphia level aggressive on the PK and for anyone who doesn't know what that means the Flyers maybe more than any other team in the league believe in having their forwards especially their forwards get really, really aggressive. They don't give you a second to turn around, a second to breathe. Now, you do put yourself at risk as a penalty-killing unit when you take that approach. You'd better have people who can do it because you're also running the very real risk that you're going to get burned, you're going to get out of position. Well, the Islanders believe that they have people. They don't have a you know, Jakub Voracek, Claude Giroux, Sean Couturier, the guys that the Flyers have had doing it for years. 
but they have a lot of trust in the ones that they do. Cal Clutterbuck, I think, in particular, has been outstanding for New York in this regard. I never even really thought of him as this type of player with this kind of stop-and-start foot speed. But on those few occasions when the Penguins have set up in the New York zone, he has challenged, in particular, Latang, but really anyone that even comes and flanks him in an umbrella formation. And that hasn't left the Penguins with many options, and it's really kept them from ever working the puck down low. On top of that, the Islanders have pressured up ice, meaning they're not even waiting for you to get into the neutral zone. Once you do get into the neutral zone, they're coming back onto the blue line and they're waiting to trap you there. One guy is there and then two guys behind that guy. So if you try to carry it in, if you try to carry it in, you're going to be met with two other guys even if you get past the first. For example, Brian Rust, who would be one of the guys that you would hope would be most capable of carrying the puck and gaining the zone on the top power play unit, has been bottled up at every opportunity. Whereas the second power play unit, which has had Kasperi Kapanen doing that carrying, has been a lot more successful. Kapanen, a little bit of a bigger dude, longer strides. He's got a, a better stick handler. and he, He's going to find a way to get through that and navigate it. Not quite at a Phil Kessel slash Alexei Kovalev level, but he'll get through. Rust hasn't been doing that. It all sounds like a formula for many bad things, doesn't it? And I'm not even throwing in that Semyon Varlamov looked really, really good in Game 2 and might even render any high-danger scoring chances that you create moot. So, what to do about it? What to do? Well, first of all, let me share with you that this portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of a typical cable bill is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month, and you get everything. You get all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And there's no catch, no extra cost, no contracts, and you can cancel at any time. Sounds like a pretty good deal. Well, wait, it gets better. For listening to this program, if you go to FuboTV.com DK, you will get 15% off your first month in addition to the seven-day free trial. One more time, go to FuboTV.com DK. A question about the Penguins' power play and the challenges that are faced was put to Mike Sullivan yesterday at his availability. Well, I just think it, it, it comes down to, uh, to execution. You know, we've got to support the puck. We've got to make the puck work. Uh, we've got to recognize where, uh, where our release points are. Uh, but most importantly, I think it, it's more about support and, uh, and puck battles. And if, if we can win some puck battles, if we can support the puck, uh, I, I think we can try to beat their pressure. They're a very good penalty kill. We knew it was going to be a big challenge going into this. Uh, but anytime you're playing against a kill that's as aggressive as as the Islanders is, both down ice, uh, but also in zone, 
we've got to do our best to support the puck and make the puck work. And I think if we can do that, we, we, we should be able to generate some chances. Did you pick up on the word support in there? That's actually the million-dollar term in this equation. If the Penguins have set up, and again, I'm stressing there's an if to this. If the Penguins set up, what's most valuable against a team that's pressuring as hard as Clutterbuck and the Islanders are is to make sure that every puck carrier, everyone holding the puck, has at least one visible, clear safety valve somewhere else to move the puck and to move it quickly. If you string together two or three passes in that spirit, and that's actually not asking a lot in a five-on-four, there's enough ice out there and there's enough talented people, you're going to make Clutterbuck look silly. You're going to make the pressure look silly because someone somewhere is going to pop out wide open and they're going to have the clearest of clear lanes to create something for a legit scoring chance but what we've seen so far and I'm going to keep pointing to Latang. not that this is his fault he's been great but when Latang has the puck at center point when he drifts to the middle the other two players that are out there flanking him moving moving in an area where they're trying to give him somewhere to go they need to get tighter they need to get tighter they need to be not positioning themselves so much for some big one-timer shot or anything like that they just need to be there so that he's got somewhere to go so that when Clutterbuck chases him Clutterbuck takes himself out of the play oh as to the other two things, shoot the puck, okay? <laughs> I mean, shoot the puck. Do what Brian Rust did near the beginning of game two. I asked Rust afterward if he was shooting to score. He goes, yeah, I was shooting to score. Of course he was. Of course he was. Why not? Every shot is a shot to score. There's nothing wrong with shooting the puck. Take it from Jeff Carter. All he's doing at every opportunity is gunning the thing. Great. Be like Carter. Second thing, as far as gaining the zone goes, hey, they want to trap you up at the blue line, and they've got one, two, three guys up there ready to do that. Guess who's not going to be either ready or eager to backpedal when you chip it behind them? Yeah, those same guys. So do that come up with something different nobody on any power play likes dumping the puck in it feels weird you know you have the extra man you feel like you should be able to cross a sliver of blue paint without having to give up the puck even for a second or two well it ain't working so try the other thing that will work real nice little soft chip it can even be the same player Chip it to yourself. You've got the momentum. You're facing that direction. Go get it. The power play has had some decent moments. All of them came in game one. 
that a power play needs to be a thing. At some point or other, someone's going to call penalties other than on Brian Rust when he grabs the puck and tries to stick it in his pocket. They're going to have to call something at some point. The power play is going to be needed. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's always brought to you on this program by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where their mission is to help people in need across western Pennsylvania, and they in turn need your help. Find out how $1 from you is all it takes for the food bank to put together five full meals for the needy. $1 equals five meals. Visit Pittsburgh Food Bank. Org. Spell out Pittsburgh when you do that. PittsburghFoodBank.org Today's question comes from Army Yinzer 87. Very cool moniker. Army Yinzer 87. He's got it all going on in that one. Just one question. He says, how big of an impact will Barry Trotz getting the last line change have on these next two games? I think it'll have some impact, but maybe not the way you'd normally expect for games three and four of a series. The biggest impact you'd normally think would be on what happens to the Sidney Crosby line. But really, if you look over these first two games... Sid's line has been out there against Casey Zizekas, Matt Martin, and Clutterbuck. Not all the time, but most of the time. Sullivan doesn't worry too much about moving Sid around and having Sid avoid matchups. We can discuss and debate that at some other time. We've certainly had our share of discussion on that front when it comes to the Penguins facing the Bruins and matching up and not very well against Boston's perfection line of Patrice Bergeron, Brad Marchand, and David Pasternak. The Islanders don't have a line like that, but they do have their best players, or most of them, on a single unit, meaning Matt Barzal, Jordan Eberle, and Leo Komarov, who just finds residence in top six units everywhere he goes, even though he doesn't score. And so far, those three gentlemen have combined for zero goals and zero assists. That is largely to the credit of the Penguins' fourth line of Teddy Bluger, Zach Aston-Reese, and Brandon Tanev, who not only have shut these guys down, but have produced 75% of all scoring chances when those lines have gone head-to-head. In fact... It's one of the more bizarre things out of these first two games that the Bluger line hasn't finished one of these plays yet because they have been point-bleeping blank for all three of these guys. There's no way Trotz won't work and work hard to get those guys away from Bluger. That's going to be the single thing that's the most striking 
out of any matchups or late switches or anything like that. Sid's already taken on the best that the Islanders have. And even though his line isn't scoring a ton, they've put together a lot of shots, including 16 shots between Sid, Jake, and Rust generated in Game 2 alone. Uh, they're, they're putting forth some offense. Sezikis and those guys aren't slowing them down. But the reason that overall that this isn't going to matter all that much is that the middle two lines between these teams, the two and the threes, that's where the imbalance is. That's where the imbalance is. Who is the Islanders' counter to the Jeff Carter line? Who is it? This was the beauty of acquiring this player and dropping him into the one spot where he'd fit the best, meaning at center. And then on top of that, having him be this effective and this productive. He is the mismatch. And he is that without Evgeny Malkin even being in the equation. Malkin's making the trip here, by the way, but there's no indication yet as to when he'll play. I'm not expecting it. But if and when he does, and if and when he, you know, is Geno again, presuming that that's possible, the level of mismatch only multiplies. So that's that's the answer that I have for you. Trotz can do that one thing. He can try to get Barzal and Eberle going, and actually, he's got no choice but to try to get Barzal and Eberle going because the Islanders don't score all that many goals. And if those guys aren't scoring, the Islanders are in big, big, big trouble. So we'll see how that goes. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these from here tomorrow. University in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.